Hi everyone, my name is Luby Wilson and I'm the Education Manager at DS Act. I'm so excited for our first podcast and really hope you're able to get a lot from this series, whether you're on your morning walk, driving in the car, or running around town. If you have any feedback whatsoever or any topics you'd like for me to cover, feel free to email me at luby.wilson at dsact.org. As a past early childhood educator in an inclusive setting, I spent most of my days teaching children through play. I'm so incredibly passionate about the power of play and wanted to show you why play is monumental to your child's development. I've always found it natural to play with children, but my mentor Meg Bethune allowed me the opportunity to really be intentional with how you play with children and the language that you use, how to embed learning opportunities during play, and how to be okay with getting messy. Meg Bethune was a past early childhood educator as well, with a master's degree in early childhood special education. She then transitioned into being the Rice School of Austin's executive director and was part of the program for a total of 11 years. Now, Meg is a wonderful mom to two adorable kids. She launched a blog, MegBethune.com, that contains so much information on play-based learning, parenting, discipline, playroom organization, and more. I'm so, so excited to have her on our podcast, and I can't wait for you to learn from her. She is truly a wealth of knowledge with so much passion in this field. So now I'm going to introduce everyone to Meg. Hi, Meg. Hey. So jumping into our first question, can you tell us what play-based learning is? I mean, it's just as it sounds. Play-based learning is essentially child-led, open-ended play. You know, taking initiative, focused attention, and curiosity about the world are all a part of play. The benefits of learning through play include, I mean, you name it, communication skills, motor skills, social and emotional development, creativity, imagination, uh, most importantly, critical thinking, problem solving. I mean, as we know, research has shown that children who begin their education in an environment of playful learning and discovery emerge as more confident, imaginative, socially aware individuals, um, which I think we would all agree are key attributes we want our children to possess. 100% May, I agree with that as well. Can you give me a couple examples of how you target different areas of development through play? Ah, I mean, there's so many ways. Um, in fact, open-ended play allows for, in my opinion, um, deeper and more impactful learning. Because children are more engaged and because the play is open-ended, you're able to really respond to their individual needs. Children are also not limited by our ideas of how we see play going. Um, sometimes I feel like as adults, we kind of get in the way. Um, instead, you meet them where they are and you help them to develop their own ideas and skills through play. And I just think it's way more respectful of who they are as people. Um, just with a simple sensory activity, you can address fine motor skills, language skills, cognitive skills like counting, shape recognition, letter recognition, sorting objects, and just so much more. The possibilities are just truly endless and the connection that comes along with that play is so incredibly valuable. I mean, like, as you can imagine, when children feel safe and love and connected, they learn. And that's exactly how I feel like you taught me to be with kids at Rise. It was great. And I mean, people see play as just being something that comes so easy to kids. But the fact that we can embed so much into that play, I think, is just a great way for our kids to learn. And it takes time. I mean, it takes a skilled adult and it takes practice. But it's so worth it to learn how to play with your children and play with your students because so much comes out of that. Especially, too, with how much language we're using. I remember you taught me that, too, like kind of go back a little bit, not over talk and just let it be child-led and not as much yeah. adult-led. So I yeah. think that was great. 
When it comes to playing with children with disabilities, what do you focus on the most and what do you think is the most important? I mean, honestly, the ability to differentiate. And what that means is just adjusting or adapting the activity to meet the specific needs of the child. That is why play-based learning is key for optimal development, especially in the inclusive classroom setting. When you consider what is best for children, it's meeting them where they are and honoring their interests and abilities. Through play, you're able to kind of gently nudge them forward, challenge them in a safe place, and all the while make it fun. Work is the play of children, which is Maria Montessori, but I just think that even with my own children when we're playing, they're two years apart. That ability to make one play scheme or one activity appropriate for both of them is really magical because, you know, my daughter Flo is modeling for my son, but then my son's able to really gain those skills and be in a safe place where we can support him to model her behavior. And going off of that, there, like you mentioned, so many important skills that kids can work on while they're playing. Can you tell us what scaffolding is and how you use this during play? Sure. Um, Scaffolding is essentially supporting children's development and learning by offering just the right help at just the right time in just the right way. It works similarly similarly to um, scaffolding and construction. So when building something, scaffolding is that temporary structure used to support that work crew when they're making a building or building a building, right? So it looks very similar in early childhood education. The trick is working within the child's zone of proximal development, which is essentially the difference between what they can do without help and what they can achieve with guidance and encouragement from a school partner. So it may look like asking prompting questions, making suggestions, modeling, providing some physical support, gesturing, or just providing temporary support in some way. Children not only learn from skilled teachers and their parents, but they also learn from their peers. Play is dynamic in that way, and a child can benefit from not only the materials themselves, but from their play partners, adults and children. And something that I see a lot on your Instagram and your website is very messy play. I know, especially as a teacher, sometimes that scared me to just have to think about all the cleanup and (laughs) on the time it would take to get it ready and to um, make sure it's all cleaned up. But I've seen just how much your students loved it and how much your kids love it. And I've learned to love it, but it's definitely something that I think parents are a little bit more scared of. So can you tell us a, a little bit about messy play how you come up with the ideas, why it's so beneficial, and then just how to be okay with getting messy. Yeah. Um, first of all, there's so much in not only the activity itself, but even in the cleanup. Um, I've taught my kids really how to clean it up. They use the mop, they use the broom, they use washcloths, they use paper towels, they use a vacuum. Um, but there's so much learning in that as well. Um, but basically, we all know this, children learn with their bodies which is why sensory play is so valuable in early childhood education. Sensory play includes basically any activity that stimulates a child's sense of touch, smell, taste, sight, hearing, as well as anything which engages movement and balance. Those activities encourage your children to observe, form a hypothesis, experiment, draw conclusions. I mean, scientific concepts such as cause and effect and gravity and solid to liquid are all explored. It's insane. Children develop their fine motor skills as they pour, measure, stir, whisk, and manipulate materials. They even learn about volume as they fill in empty containers. Think of it this way. Sensory play will stimulate neural connections in your child's brain that will ultimately set them up for success as they begin to use higher level thinking skills. And I always say, when you say yes to sensory play, 
You're providing your child with the opportunity to build confidence, boost that neural connectivity, and develop prop proper sensory processing cap capabilities. The more that you engage in these activities, the more you're increasing their tolerance. The early years are just so critical for sensory play and they help develop a child's brain during the most rapid period of brain growth in the entire human lifespan. And in terms of getting those ideas, I honestly look to my kiddos for inspiration. I think, you know, of what they're interested in and I go from there. And sensory play could be as simple as like pulling together their favorite loose parts, um, some dry beans and pasta and, and some kitchen utensils. Kids really love using those real world objects. So don't be afraid to hand them a pot or a pan from your kitchen, a whisk. Um, you can even use craft materials like pom-pom balls or take the kitchen outside and let them cook with nature. That's, oh my gosh, that's Flo's favorite. Um, you just have to tell them which plants not to pick. <laughs> um, but in terms of getting messy, you don't have to start in your formal living room. <laughs> um, Start where you have easy access to water like your kitchen or even your bathroom. Um, you can start in your bathtub or go outside. Um, my daughter loved shaving cream in the shower, um, water play in the backyard, or just like washing toys. Um, goodness, Play-Doh is a form of sensory play that can provide so many benefits for young children. There are so many ways to get inspiration, and one of the ways is to find other moms or other educators who incorporate the same types of play in their home or classroom lean on each other. Collaboration, in my opinion, in the school setting, even in the home setting is so key. Talk to your child's therapist, talk to their teachers, explore different blogs or websites that offer tools and resources, or literally Google <laughs> one of your child's interests and list invitation to play or sensory toy after it. So if your kid loves trucks, literally Google <laughs> trucks invitation to play. There are an abundance of ideas. Getting inspired won't be the issue, it'll be getting overwhelmed. And in that case, stick to your household or your classroom, look at what you have and consider your child's interests and go from there. That is all such great information. And I know I've learned a lot from your website too. Just you, you, you list the prep involved, the materials involved. On your Instagram, you even link the where you bought all the materials. So. I definitely recommend if you're interested in learning more specific things about um, sensory play or different ideas too. And, and like I mentioned at the beginning, there's a ton of information too on parenting, on um, how to keep your house or the playroom organized and how to be intentional with toy rotations. And this applies to all children, um, no matter what their age is too. So if you do want more information on that, it's a great resource. And then since we're wrapping up soon too, I wanted to give you make the chance to give us one key takeaway that parents and teachers can put into place as early as today. Wow. Um, I would say be present, be observant, and just respond to the child's cues, ideas, their interests. Just meet them where they are. Um, we become the best parents and teachers when we know and appreciate our children as individuals. I agree. And then just giving them those skills so early on too is key. And just to kind of wrap up on that concept too, I mean, on Meg's website, she even has like skill checklist forms that she uses sometimes too to kind of see if you're playing with your child, maybe they're not doing something that you think they should be doing. So she kind of gives you an idea of the skills that you need to get to before you're able to do the certain tasks too. So just always being conscientious of how much you're expecting your child to be doing and always giving them that confidence, that motivation, and just having them be proud of themselves when they're playing and pointing out what they're doing, how they're doing it, and just being super specific too. So you'll 
you can read more about that on Meg's website. But Meg, thank you so much for taking the time to be on our first podcast. You instilled your knowledge on so many educators and families during your 11 years at RISE and then all the work that you did pre-RISE too and have now expanded your reach by sharing your knowledge with the entire world. If you would like to learn more from Meg, please make sure to follow her on Instagram and check out her amazing website. And also, if any topics that you'd be interested in learning from, please give me a shout out or email me so we can make sure to get um, professionals in the field that can help support your child's development at home. But thank you so much for listening, listening in, and I'm excited for our second podcast coming shortly to you.